0: there is something very exciting about going down the road of chukim from Rav Shamshan Rafal Hirsch's perspective because it gives us an insight into our relationship with God vis-a-vis the natural world. And the reason why this is, I think, exciting, especially in the modern context, is because it grounds a certain intuitive ethic but also limits it. What I mean by that is if you ask someone who is secular or a materialist why they feel it is incumbent upon me to take care of the environment, why should I not waste? Why should I not wantonly destroy for my own purposes? It would be difficult for that person to ground it. What I mean by that is not that I don't think there is an internal moral compass that tells us we shouldn't waste and we shouldn't cause wanton destruction on things that either are ours or are not ours, but that intuition I ground in the divine. I ground in that which isn't physical. But if I only have the physical world around me, then I am part of the physical world. I am part of the natural world. In which case, grounding responsibility, as our discussion this week will be, in the environment, my responsibility to the environment only comes about if I am apart from the environment. What compels me, if I own something, why should I not waste it? If I own something, why should I not destroy it? That grounding of responsibility is very difficult purely from a secular standpoint. It's not impossible. That's not my point. And it's not that it's not intuitive. But it is intuitive in a different way that Mishpatimah. Mishpatimah are intuitive because I am a human being. I should want the flourishing of other human beings. To want the flourishing of the environment is a bit of a difficult argument. Only for what it does for me or people I'm close to. Now, a person might say, yeah, but what about the future? What about care for the future? Well, the future will be able to mitigate problems for the future. Why in the here and now should I limit my desire to live out my will on the environment? What moral principle are you grounding me on to say that, no, you should suffer in the here and now, put yourself out of place, make things more difficult for you because of the environment? What is is the why that underpins that demand? From a religious standpoint, it's because it's in a relationship with God like I am. God owns it. The ownership that God has on the environment means that in my relationship with God, I have a responsibility. My responsibility only makes sense if I'm not part of the thing. I have a responsibility to myself. I have a responsibility to the environment. But that's because I'm able to articulate a separation. That is a religious idea. You can't articulate a separateness from the environment if you are just part of the environment. You can't articulate a responsibility to your physical body if you are the sum total of your physical body. Is this clear? It's articulating a grounding for an environmental ethic from a Jewish standpoint. It's the, re- the reason why I discussed last week in our introduction to Chukim that it's grounded on a principle of justice. It's grounded on a principle of justice Because it adds another premise into the mix. I have a responsibility to the creator of existence. Thereby, I have a responsibility to his environment. That I can't waste it. I can't... I own it. But it isn't mine in the same sense that a person who doesn't have God as part of their framework thinks it's theirs. The items I have in my life aren't just there randomly. The items I have in my life are there because of a responsibility and a duty. They're there for a purpose. The context in which the Torah discusses my the demand on me not to waste things is in the context of war. Yes, when you are fighting people, you are killing people, we're not supposed to think their property is more important than them. But even in such a context where you would think that all morality dies, the Torah tells us even in a situation like this, you have to have your conscious mind aware of your responsibility and your duty. It has to be at the forefront of your mind that you don't cut down a fruit tree. I know that sounds petty, like you're killing people, it's war. Right, but even at war, if I tell you how to act towards inanimate objects, how much more so will that transcend and expand to how you treat people? So even in a situation where you think all morality dies, that is the context in which the Torah tells you, keep your mind at the forefront of your actions. If there is a fruit tree and a timber tree, don't cut down the fruit tree. You have a responsibility to the items that are in front of you based off a principle of justice because god is part of the mix and the reason why this is different from mishpatim is because a tree is below me i I am a human being what responsibility do i have for a tree you have a responsibility to your creator and thereby you have a responsibility to the tree so an environmental ethic from a jewish standpoint tells you to use your items in front of you use them to the best of your ability but don't waste them. Don't destroy them. Wantonly destroying things, Raph Hirsch points out, from the point of view of our sages, is akin to idolatry. Because you're the type of person who lives out your more base instincts. You rage against an item and smash it. I heard about this, um, this room that people smash things. It's like giving in to that deepest, darkest aspect of you and giving voice to it. No, you are supposed to control yourself. The person who listens to that Voice inside of them that says, live out your desire and your passion in a wanton, destructive way. Chazal look at that as what leads to idolatry. That leads to looking at the world as being that which will dictate how you will act. Think about that. If I am taking the stages of smashing things that I don't want, or smashing things that I am finished with, or destroying the environment unnecessarily because I want to, thereby I am overcoming the, the the impetus for, for, for responsibility and crushing it with my more base desires. What is idolatry for the Jewish people? One expression of idolatry is using the natural world as justification for my desires. The earth, the animals, or any pagan deity lives out its desires on will. And thereby, if I begin to worship that, that is just another expression of my disconnect from my responsibility. I'm using my desire to live out my passions and then I ground it or I anchor it in an idol. That gives me, the not now I'm not only living out my more base instincts, but when I serve idols, I feel I'm right. I'm connecting to reality when I live out my base desires. The argument that the natural world does it, so why shouldn't I? They call it the naturalistic fallacy. Just because the natural world does something doesn't mean you should. That is one expression of idolatry. And that is a slippery slope from just smashing things in front of you, destroying the environment unnecessarily. And this idea that Rev Hirsch develops about my responsibility to my things because they are given to me, for a purpose. So let's recap. We've spoken about the grounding of an environmental ethic. My responsibility to the environment is because I am apart from the environment. Not because I am part of it. I am apart. I am not embedded in it. I am apart from it. Thereby, my responsibility to it comes through my responsibility to God. I am apart from the, you know, the natural world. And the natural world was created by God. Thereby, I have a responsibility. Because God tells me, things I give to you, I give to you with purpose. Thereby, because of my disconnect from the natural world... I can have a responsibility to it if i am embedded and enmeshed in it then responsibility becomes meaningless so the grounding of an environmental ethic from a jewish standpoint is that it is in relationship with god like you are and god calls upon you and chazal described the person who ignores this and just lives out their passion akin to idolatry because it is a slippery slope so that's the first point but let's develop it a little bit further But this also allows us to give a limit to the environmental ethic. What I mean by that is that there is damage that I will do to the environment by existing. Now, as a Jew, I don't call that damage. I call that it's living out its purpose. And there's a big distinction to be made there because the slippery slope of the environmentalist is to reflect on, well, if my goal, coming from a good place often, the desire to give, the desire to be... Altruistic, the desire to help the flourishing of the natural environment—that makes sense. It's beautiful, and I should help it. But to what extent? Who, ne- who needs to suffer in the pursuit of my feel-good factor of helping the environment? When do I stop? Who doesn't? Who, who shouldn't be allowed to drive because of the carbon emissions that are involved in driving? Who should I limit? Now, the people who make these decisions often are giving instructions to other people and how other people should be giving up for the sake of this environmental ethic. But the question is to what extent? To what limit? At what point do you stop? And the reason I'm bringing this up is, is by the same token that there is a lack of justification on a very deep level of why you should care for the environment beyond personal interest, if you're coming from a purely secular standpoint. The danger is there's also no limit. At what point does humanity just become a cancer that needs to be dealt with? To to develop this a little bit further, from a Jewish standpoint, the natural world is here for a reason. It is for my purposes, to live out my responsibility in the world, is part of the reason that the natural world is here. Not the entire reason necessarily, but part of it is to be used for noble means. Thereby, I ask a question to the environmentalist. You lack a reason to be involved in the conversation you lack a reason. Yes, you can tell me personally it means something to you. You can say, I feel intuitively that I should look after the environment, and I will agree with him of that intuition, but I will ground that intuition in something more fundamental. The same way you cannot ground it. You cannot limit it either. To what point do you stop? To what point do you say now the burning of emissions is a good? At what point do you look at the environment and say, yes, the environment is suffering right now? but I do believe it is for a more noble reason. If you don't have that limiting factor, then what point do you stop? At what point do you no longer, at what point do you look at humanity as being, by definition, a problem in relationship to this goal of the environment for you? At what point does it become no longer a means to an ends, the environment, it becomes the ends in and of itself? At what point does humanity suffer because of this goal, this intuition? The same reason you have no reason to come into the conversation, you have no reason to leave it either. At what point is it enough? So, to ground our discussion, we spoke about the environment and a Jew's responsibility to the environment to use it for its purposes because it is lent to you by God. You have a reason for having this and you are supposed to live out that reason. Thereby, when you use items correctly and responsibly, that's good. But if you destroy wantonly, if you wastefully act towards the natural world, then you're treating something that God gave you and treating it with disdain because of your desire to live out a passion on it. And Chazal tell us, the rabbis explain that that is the root that will lead a person to an idolatrous perspective. Because what starts with your passions, you look to the natural world to justify it. And that's the root of paganism, where you look at the natural world as a justification for your passions so we don't waste. Which leads us to our second point. The same way the secular perspective might share our intuition, but because of their lack of the ability to ground it, they also lack the ability to leave the conversation. And at what point does human suffering overcome the desire to look after the environment? Thereby, to end off, of course we have a responsibility to the environment. But that responsibility, I believe, is grounded in the fact that I am apart from the environment. And at what point do I say no, the damage to the environment serves a higher purpose. It's because if it's being used correctly towards a higher goal, whichever that higher goal may be. But if you have no higher goal and you just have the desire to protect the environment, at what point do you stop? Who suffers in the process? At what point is that suffering no longer justified Simply speaking, what is your game plan and what is your end point? On that note, have a wonderful week and a wonderful upcoming Shabbos.